Guys and gals, how's it going? My name is Cohen Hughes. Welcome to another edition of the Association Podcast, our third overall episode. I'm joined in the studio with Thomas Pimlin. Thomas, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty well today, Cohen. I'm excited to get this podcast going, get everything fired off. Big week in the NBA, lots of players going off this week, so I mean, it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, there were a lot of fucking points scored this week in the NBA. Even Gordon Hayward put up a 30 clip. Yeah, I mean, it felt good, though, to see Hayward get a 30 clip, you know. After he suffered that injury the way he did, it, it was it was hard to watch him go down like that. So I really liked seeing him go for that 30 clip. I thought it was a nice little feel-good story for him. I mean, the Celtics need him to start playing better. The Celtics need – I feel like they got too many guys in the rotation, honestly, and I think that's really hurt them. So, I mean, it felt good to see Hayward ball out. How do you, I mean, I'm sure you have a lot stronger feelings against that yeah, than I do since nah. – uh, you, you're not too much of a fan of Hayward, if I remember correctly. Uh, no, you do remember correctly. He um, really screwed us in terms of our free agency decision. And no, I'm not mad that he left. I'm mad in the fashion that he left. Didn't call our owner. Let us. He, he, he let us continue into the late period of free agency, still giving us the illusion that he would be back. He asked to play with Ricky Rubio. We go out and sign Ricky Rubio. That stupid letter was just stupid, and I'm not a fan. Let's, put, let's, let's just keep it at that. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't really have a problem the way that he handled things. I think that at the end of the day, he's got to do what's best for him and his brand. Going to a big team, um, team like Boston helps grow his brand. And on top of that, I think he's in a better situation to win. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Jazz would have been absolutely filthy, but at the same time, I think he's, I think him going to Boston was the right move for him. And I think he did the right thing. I can't really hold it against him. At the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you. You know, well, I can't hold it against him either because we ended up getting Mitchell out of it and with Hayward still there, he couldn't have thrived like the way that he yeah. did. Like we were begging for a score and a bulk shooter and he, the perfect one landed in, in our lap. So ultimately I'm glad that Hayward left so we could trim the fat. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it kind of, I'd say it definitely helped with the development of Mitchell. I mean, a hundred percent, there's no way that he would have been as productive with Hayward in the lineup. Um, I knew that as well this season that Tatum and Brown's per production and points would go down with Hayward back in the lineup. That's what I was trying to tell everybody last year. There's only one basketball. It's the same thing with the Warriors. There's only one basketball. Points and stuff are going to stats are going to suffer. But overall, looking at this week as a whole for the NBA, I mean, like you said earlier, there's a lot of points scored. I mean, I believe it was, yeah, Wednesday night. We had a lot of games on that night. That was a fun night to watch. Um, are I hit I, I didn't do that great on bets that night I think I broke even that night um but my the big thing that stood out to me about that night was we had Paul George have 47 points 15 rebounds and three assists and then we also had uh Steph Curry put up that crazy game I mean Steph just got back from the injury against the Cavs where he had 42 at nine and seven yeah you want me to uh read off our our top five in terms of stats performances of the week yeah, let me hear him. All right, for or number five, Anthony Davis versus the Hornets, 36 yep. points, eight assists, 19 rebounds, two steals, two blocks, 14 of He's 19. He's knocking on the, the door field. of a triple-double. Yeah. Knocking no, on the he, door. That, that, that That's a man's stat line right there. That's tough. Yeah. You know what the best – you know what sticks out the most to me about that stat line is the efficiency that he scored yep. with the ball at. When you play that efficiently – Yeah, he was a problem that night. It was that, that was Sunday against the Hornets? Yes, 
Yeah, he abused them. Cody Zeller and Marvin Williams are both out that game. He absolutely abused them. He let them know that they – Yeah, that's what you like to see out of a guy like Anthony Davis, where you just go in and impose your will. He literally said, I'm so much better than y'all. Y'all have no chance against me. And, I mean, look what happened. And he's right. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't guard that size, that movement, that basketball IQ. Anthony Davis is your prototypical big man, and he played like it on Sunday. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Who we got next? Russell Westbrook versus the Cavaliers. 23 points, 15 assists, 18 rebounds, two steals. Not as efficient, 10 of 17 from field goal range, but that's a man's stat line as well. Triple-double. Yeah. 23, 15, yeah, and 18. Yeah, I mean, Westbrook's never been an efficient scorer, but, I mean, he's doing a, he does a good job of getting people involved, spreading out the love, getting other people's shots. Paul George has played really well this year, and he's thrived in OKC. I knew it was the right decision for him to return. That's what I kept telling people. He was going to stay put with Russell Westbrook. Why would he go play with LeBron when him and Russell Westbrook have a good, th- good thing going? I think Westbrook, when you have a ball-dominant point guard like that, like a Damian Lillard, like a James Harden, like Chris Paul, like Russell Westbrook, you can pair them with one other superstar. And they play better than rather than with with two others like they yeah. try to do with Melo. Although I wouldn't even consider Melo a superstar, but I mean, even if Melo was in the prime of his career, I don't think that team would have worked any differently than it nope. did. Nope, it, it, it's a style of play. Just ball mm-hmm. stopping chuckers don't don't fit in well with two other stars who are thirsty for looks. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Kevin, LeBron's kind of a ball stopper too. So is Kyrie Irving. I mean, but LeBron still at the same time can move the ball, but he likes yeah. to play that slow down game. But I mean, Kevin Love works with them because his skill set is where he can spot up and shoot and where he can rebound. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't need, Kevin Love doesn't have to do all the stuff to get his own shot. Melo has to go straight ISO sets to get most of his points. So well, and, and people don't realize that Kevin that. Love changed his whole game to play with LeBron. It was a mm-hmm. year and a half before he really got comfortable w- w- with LeBron and you have to tailor your 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 style of play around them that way they can get you involved exactly and also like clay thompson i mean i don't think the warriors would work if clay thompson didn't play the way that he does i mean he doesn't you know what i mean where he just spots up and shoots like if clay thompson had played like a kyrie irving or cj mccollum or somebody like that like i don't still don't think the warriors would work as well either i'm sure there's some stat in the nba that's like points scored per dribble and i would be willing to bet Three months worth of rent that Clay Thompson leads the league in scoring per per dribble taken. Yeah, the other night he scored over thirty point or he what did he have the other night? It was like forty points and he had like twenty six dribbles. God. Yeah, it was absurd. Yeah, it was no, all, I was no cool. he can he can put up twenty points before the ball even hits the floor in his hands. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, who else you got on that uh, stat sheet? All right, number three, Kevin Durant versus the Magic, forty nine points. Nine assists, six boards, two steals, two blocks. That game was crazy. I actually watched that game. The Magic were my max play that night. That was a big time play for for us. I mean, it was it was easy, pretty cut and dry. Warriors missing Draymond Green. I knew the Magic would dominate them on the boards. No uh, Steph Curry either. I mean, that one that one was pretty easy. Obviously, they ended up winning the game. It was actually pretty pretty funny play when Terrence Ross went base there. So Terrence Ross tried to do like an isolation three and airballed the shot. And um, what's his Draymond Green stuff? Curry started making fun of him over on the bench. He kind of looked at him. Next play, they inbound the ball to him. He reverse. He goes baseline and slams it on the other side of the rim and kind of flexed and looked over at him. I was like, "Okay, Terrence Ross, okay. there you go." That game that was actually played two weeks ago. You should. You should have. Do you do you have on there is one of them the Kevin Durant's fifty-two point game against the Raptors or fifty-one or whatever it was? 
Oh, you missed out. That one was last Thursday. That was a good game. That was on during the Saints-Cowboys game. Okay, I see this one. This one's not in the in the actual highlighted performances of the week, but this one is. It says 51 points, 6 assists, 11 boards, mm-hmm. 18 of 31. Yeah. No, Durant went off in that game, and he was shooting tons of twos. That was the that was the yeah, game that, game that that was the game that he hit the shot over Kawhi to tie it up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and then Kawhi okay. picked his pocket towards yep. the end, it yep. allowed it to go to overtime. Mm-hmm. Who else we got on there? Um, James Harden versus the Wizards. Oh yeah, that game was also played two weeks ago. Really? Yeah, that game I'm was about to fire. I'm, I'm about to fire whoever we got in the research department over here. Yeah, here I can give you one. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say one game, but. Kawhi Leonard, since that Thursday game against the Warriors, has scored his lowest scoring game was 27 in that loss at home to the Nuggets. But he scored 37, 34, and 36, including that 36-point game versus Philly. Eight and nine rebounds in all those games. I mean, Kawhi, the way he's playing right now, he's on a whole other level, and the Raptors' record reflects it 21-5. and I will say this, though, about Kawhi Leonard. Like I don't hate Kawhi Leonard or be or I don't hate him. I just think his style of play. I just think he's kind of a boring player. He's fun to watch. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's a boring player. But that's not what I dislike about him. What I dislike about him is his attitude. I feel like he only cares about himself. I feel like players who don't show emotions, they don't care that much. And Kawhi sits out all the time on backs to backs, which to me is extremely soft. I feel like if you really care about your teammates, you're gonna play every night or at least try to go out there and do something and go to fight with your boys rather than sit out because you're tired and fatigued. Um, I feel like there's definitely some some credit to what to what you said. There's definitely some validity to it. I just think that because how many years did Kawhi have a pop? Five, six. Um, let me look right here. I'm on Kawhi Leonard right now. He's seven years of experience, so this is his seventh season. So six years with Pop. Six years with Pop. That's Pop runs a very highly methodical and professional organization. To where, if you're a star player, you're made to sit out on back to backs. You're made to care about your body. You ha- you face team fines for technicals, and you don't let your emotions get the best of you in the game. I agree. Kawhi Leonard could show more emotion during the game and outwardly to his teammates to bring forth a more cohesive team unit atmosphere. But that's just not the guy he is, and I think this is just him finally now starting to shake off the the, the pop wash of basketball zombies, basketball robots, and this is how 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 a professional conducts himself. Um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, he definitely does act, act a lot like Pop. I mean, Pop, he's, uh, um, he's in the Army, I believe. Yeah, he's from West, he's West Point, guys. So, yep. I mean, you know how he is. He's strict with how he runs everything. Actually, a big thing that's been helping out the um, Raptors is Siakam. He's been playing really well. Pascal, my play. man. Yeah, he's been playing really well. But Kyle Lowry, actually, I got to brag on him a little bit. Kyle Lowry's been playing at superstar level. He's only averaging 14 points per game, but... He's been the way he's been passing the ball, 10.1 assists per game. He runs that offense well, and I think he's the team leader. And I also think that he's the reason why the Raptors will fail in the playoffs. Look, the Raptors, Kawhi Leonard and DeMar DeRozan were choke artists. They would disappear in the playoffs. Like, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago when they were playing Miami before they went to the, the year the Cavs won the title when that they they were playing Miami and they went to game seven. And I remember Kyle Lowry stayed after and was trying to put shots up in the in the gym stuff because he was just so off. Like he was literally so off you couldn't believe it. And DeRozan I got benched that. last year in the I playoffs and that. disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So honestly, 
look, the Raptors might be the best regular season team, but they're not doing they're anything, not in my playoffs. opinion, in the playoffs. No, they're I don't think they're for built it. for the playoffs. They're a deep team. I think in the playoffs, deep teams don't go as far, excluding the Warriors. But, I mean, you got to have a short rotation in the playoffs. you got to have some guys, you know what I mean? Because, like, there's going to be nights where you got to be able to feel out who's got it and who doesn't. Brad Stevens pretty good at it, but some nights you're not going to be good at it. Kyle Lowry's notorious for disappearing in the playoffs, and without him running that offense, the Raptors are not going to be able to win. Nope. I also think he's been a little hurt lately. He's seven and five points in his last two outings after missing that game against Cleveland. So I think he might be a little banged up right now. But like you said, I don't think they're built for the playoffs. I'm not really scared of them in the playoffs. I think we'll see Philly-Boston matchup in the Eastern Conference Finals. It obviously, it depends on how the bracket looks when it comes out because right now those two teams might have to play each other. But it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it sure is. The East um, is, is, is going to be very fun to watch this year in, in a cute way. Um. We're finally getting to see the JV guys kind of start getting good and duking it out. Like like we expected the Celtics to be way better this year. Um, the Nets, even though they've dropped, I think, four, uh, four of their last five, um, they're due to get Jared Allen back anytime. Um, the Hornets have been very bad. The Pistons have been looking very good, especially now that Blake Griffin and Drummond are starting to work together. Um, mm-hmm. The playoffs in yeah, the Yeah, the Pistons this year, are fourth right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the the playoffs in the East are going to be fun to watch this year in a, in a gimmicky way. Yeah, um, the real question is, though, are the Wizards going to make the playoffs? I mean, right now they're 11-4. and four. They're on a three-game winning streak. They've won six out of their last ten. So, I mean, teams like the Hornets and the Magic, like, are they going to phase out? I think those two teams are the fringe teams. The Heat are going to try to try to make a playoff run as well. I mean, do you think the Magic are going to make the playoffs? Let me ask you that first. I, th- I think the Magic will. If um, To answer your question more specifically, if one of those two teams, Charlotte or um, Orlando, is going to get phased out, I think the Hornets are going to get phased out. They're just a very frustrating team to watch. Um, the Magic at least have some semblance of life and – scoring prowess i should say mm-hmm. the hornets seem like a very pedestrian team who enjoys being the ninth and tenth seed in the east every year so i think the magic actually i think the hornets will make the playoffs i think they should try to go out and acquire beal and i think the magic should try to go out and acquire john wall that is if the if the wizards decide they don't want to make the playoffs here I think the Wizards personally will not, but if I'm the Magic, you have the assets to trade Jonathan Isaac, Nick Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Mo Bamba. Those, out of those four players, you could probably move two of them in a protected first to the Hornets, and you could get Wall away from them, I think. I think they want to get rid I mean, not to the Hornets, to the Wizards. I think the Wizards will want to get rid of that contract because John Wall's about to be on a Supermax after this season's over where he's making like $42 million. I mean, that is a way too much money for John Wall. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a really smart move here if you're Orlando just because – you need to bring in a superstar player. I don't really think Orlando is going to be a hotbed for any free agents. They're not really going to have a high enough draft pick. I think they need to go out and get their team a point guard. I mean, DJ Augustine and Terrence Ross, Evan Foynier, I mean, Shelvin Mack. Or no, Shelvin Mack. Is Shelvin Mack on the match? Who's their other point guard? I can't Shelvin think of his name. Yeah, it is. that's what I thought. It's Shelvin Mack. So, I mean, the Magic don't are not really, you know, like they, they need a guard in that backcourt desperately. Yep. And, and they oh, no, it's, it's Jerry. It's Jerry and Grant. Where does Shelvin Mack, Mack is on the? He's on the Grizzlies. That's right. I thought he was on the Grizzlies. That's, new, that's, that's news to me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They use Jer- they use uh, Jerry and Grant, DJ Augustine at point guard. I mean, that's not going to get it done for yeah, you. Yeah, no, no, you're gonna have to give me some sort of point guard in that mix. Mm-hmm, that's what because I'm saying. All I, I see, mean, all, all I heard you talk about are two shooting guards who can dribble a little bit. 
Yeah. And see, imagine John Wall. John Wall's a floor general. Look, John Wall's not playing his best. He kind of he looked really, really good in that playoff series against Atlanta two years ago when Sh him and Schroeder kind of going back and forth with each other. I mean, John Wall looked elite. He looks like he was going to be a top 10 player. He's regressed since then. I think injuries have hurt him, and I think locker room problems have hurt him. I think it's time to move on from John Wall. If you're the Wizards, you've gotten what you can out of him. You don't want to pay him that big deal. I mean, That's I don't know why. That's Earth. a very good way to put it. You've gotten yeah, what you can out of John. You've milked that, that talent train. Mm -hmm. Now let's get something for it. Yeah, I mean, I think they have to move John Wall or Otto Porter Jr. Because this team clearly is not very good. And they paid – I still will never understand how they gave Otto Porter Jr. that that deal they gave him. This man is making $26 million this year. He's the highest-paid player on the team this season. I mean, the fact that he's making that much money, I think you have to move one of the two of them. I think it's a great fit for the Magic. I mean, imagine John Wall. He kind of can rework your whole offense. Him on the pick and roll with Nick Vucevic. Vucevic averaging 21 and 11. I mean, he's for sure going to be an Eastern Conference all-star. I think he should be – I mean, he's not couldn't be a starter over in B, and he's obviously not going to get the votes playing down in Orlando. But he's definitely going to be on the All Star team. I don't see any way he misses out on that. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see here. Uh, there was something. Else. So going back though to my previous question, I think the Wizards are going to make the playoffs, and I think personally, the, the team either the Magic or the Buck or the uh, Hornets are going to phase out. Me too. I I, I really could see the the Hornets getting phased out. I think the Wizards, I mean, shoot, I really don't even know what the Wizards are going to do because, I mean, they don't have Dwight Howard, so they're obviously lacking a big man. So at the same time, they're still not looking great. They've been hot, but they've been beating up on bad teams. Over the stretch they have, where they've caught on fire, kind of, they beat the Nets, the Knicks, and the Hawks. So, I mean, yeah. those, are, those are not very that impressive That is the least, four least quality wins you could ever explain to me. Yeah, but though uh, two weeks ago they beat the Pelicans and the Rockets on back-to-back -back games, so I mean, at the same time, like you know what I mean. But, but we know what it's are though. Mm -hmm. The Rockets are yeah. I mean, we'll, here, we'll talk. Let's go ahead and talk about the Rockets right now. Look, the Rockets screwed their entire team up by not re-signing Trevor Ariza. They tried to go cheap. They tried to go with the James Ennis, the shit, this little Marquise Chris. I think they'll get a little bit better when Brandon Knight comes back. They don't need another scoring guard. They need a defensive wing that can shoot. That's what Trevor Ariza was for them. Like clear Luke Rashad Mute, somebody yeah, like, or like him? Him. Yeah, although I'm not gonna oh. lie. I mean, I know he was injured, but. I'm really, I mean, he was okay. I thought he was a little overrated. See, what everyone loved was his defense, was his defense stats, but that's because when the Umbab Mute would go on the floor, it was when Ariza would go to the bench. Ariza would go to the bench when the best player on the other team would go to the bench because he'd follow him around the whole game. So, of course, the scoring is going to be tilted because Giannis is on the floor, Ariza's on the floor, Giannis is off the floor, Ariza's going to rest. You know what I mean? Ariza's job is to follow the best scoring guard around on the other team the entire game so I mean you're not going to leave him he's doing so much work on the defensive end you're not going to leave him out there when the other guys off the floor you know what I'm saying I, I do agree the the shipping off these two wing defenders prolific wing def defenders was definitely a bad mm -hmm. move and is the root of their problem this year yeah, I mean, I still think Houston can turn it around. I think they can go out and find somebody, make a trade. I think the Rockets roster is still missing a player that's going to be a key contributor. Like, P.J. Tucker, for example, was not really much of a contributor for a while last year. And then towards the end of the season, he finally found his groove, found his mark, and look what he's doing now for the team. I think they need one more player. I mean, Tucker has to play a lot of minutes, do a lot of work. He needs one more junkyard dog out there on the floor with him. Like, that was the thing, like – you got Chris Paul, who's a hell of a defender. You got James Harden, the best offensive player in the entire NBA. Then you got 
Then, or I mean, he's the most well-rounded offensive player in the league. And then you got two just junkyard dogs with Ariza and, and P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker is a great rebounder, and he can also – he's versatile with the way he defends. And then you got Capella in there. So, I mean, you pretty much have three – five-star defensive players on the floor or no four to five-star defensive players on the floor and then James Harden that's what made them so good last year now if you look at them this year they're defense they're missing those two they're missing that one extra defensive player and Chris Paul is honestly having the worst season of his career right now he needs to figure things out too you can tell by the way he plays because he's very 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 frustrated it seems like his body language is very (laughs) closed and tense Chris Paul you can tell is not having a great time yeah, and Chris Paul is one of my favorite players. I love how competitive he is, but it's definitely clear that something's bothering him. I think it's just the fact that he hasn't really been healthy. I mean, 16.7 points per game, is that's career low for him. So, I mean, he's got to pick his – I know he's going to pick it up, so – We'll see what happens. He hasn't even averaged – his rookie year, he averaged 16.1 points per game. Now he's averaging 16.4. I mean, Chris Paul should be doing scoring way more than that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think uh, – do you, do you think the Rockets will turn it around or do you think that it's more to come? As much as I want to say no because the team looks so bad right now and it's like laughably bad, um, uh-huh. you you do have to give the nod to where you would think they would turn it around. Like a team, no matter how many holes – it's kind of like the Falcons. No matter how many holes you do have, the team is so talented they have to turn it around. I agree. I mean, I think the Rockets will make the playoffs. It's going to be a good race. I mean, the Western Conference race is no joke right now. If you look at how these teams are separated, the Nuggets right now are the top dog. They've been on fire, winning seven straight. They play the Hornets tonight or on a three-game losing streak, like we were saying earlier. Gary Harris has been out. I mean, they play the Hawks tomorrow on a back-to-back. I was going to go to the game, but I know traffic's going to be hell down there for the United game, and after United wins the game, it's going to be a riot in the streets. So, I mean, I probably wouldn't even be – I don't even know if I could move my car, so I have to sit that one out. Maybe flipped over. Yeah. And the Thunder, the number two seed, as predicted by me, the Thunder would come in second place in the West. I said they're the second best team. I don't think they're built for playoff victory, but they're they're hanging around the – the Clippers, they had an interesting week so far. I mean, they've cooled off a little bit. They're yeah, they in third have. place right now. Golden State fourth, Lakers fifth. I mean, right there, I think those teams are solid. Like we said, Memphis would probably phase out. Memphis is now six and they've in their last ten games are six and four, and they've dropped. I mean, I picked the Blazers not to make the playoffs. They're dropping two now to the seven seed. The Mavs are in at the eight seed. Mavs are hot right now. They are. I still think. I think the Jazz. I mean, you have the Rockets, Jazz, Spurs. Timberwolves, Kings, Pelicans, all sitting outside of the playoffs right now. I think the Clippers are here to stay. I don't think the Mavericks are here to stay. I don't think Portland's going to make it. I don't think Memphis is going to make it. You get to pick one. With the Clippers and the Mavericks, you get to pick one. Who's who's here to stay? Clippers, 100%. The Clippers are so deep. Clippers are so deep. They're staying up. Clippers will finish top five, probably. They're a good team, and they're deep. I don't think they're built for playoff success. I think the most built-for-playoff success teams right now they're obviously Golden State. I mean, I think there's no question they win the Western Conference when they get Boogie Cousins out there. I put the Lakers at probably two, and I say number three, I the Jazz. Really think I, 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 I disagree about the Lakers. They like they rely on so many up and down nights from guys like Lonzo Ball to um, mm-hmm. put them put them above, above the points cap in order to win games. Yeah, LeBron's having a revolutionary career, but or season in his career, but. I I I don't see the Lakers being a true playoff threat to anybody. 
Um, I'm actually going to disagree with you on this one. As long as you got LeBron James, you got a shot. I think LeBron, what he does night in night. I mean, we saw it the other night. He had he had 20 points in the fourth quarter, 42 points against the Spurs. I mean, LeBron can turn it on when he needs to. We, I've, I've, when I watched him in that game one against Golden State, I firmly believe that LeBron James can do anything. I mean, he went off in that game. He did everything he could, and J.R. Smith, I mean, we all know what happened with that. But, I mean, I know you think it's a smart play. I don't know it how was I a, feel about it. A, a smart play isn't, isn't, isn't what I said. I said this this shouldn't be a conversation because J.R. Smith grabbed an offensive rebound on a, on a, on a missed free throw. Yeah, so who are you said, really mad at? Who are you really mad at? Are you mad at the guy who went above and beyond to grab a damn offensive rebound, or are you mad at the guy that missed the free throw? It's yeah, called perspective. I mean, I, you, you, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's perspective. Yeah, George Hill should be to blame instead of him. I mean, LeBron's roster last year was absolute garbage outside of Kevin Love. He did have another all-star, which is a big thing for me there. But overall, I just think LeBron can take this team to the playoffs. I think they're getting better and better. We've seen it as the season goes on. I think Luke Walton's a damn good coach. I think – I mean, I think they're still going to add another all-star to this roster, but I think the Lakers will be there in the second round of the playoffs. I don't know if they can get to that third round, though, and play Golden State. It really That's depends on, what, on the seeding. That's about seating. how I would rate it. They, will, they have a 60% chance of winning the first round. Um, it probably shrinks down to 40 35%. I put them at a ninety percent chance to win in the first round. I'd give them fifty-fifty in the second round, no matter what team they go up against. Let's, let's, what are they right now? The five seed. Yeah. Let's say let's say they're either the five or the four seed. Who 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 are they playing? Shoot. All right. My Western Conference. I think Houston's probably going to be a six, seven, eight seed. I think they're more set for that spot. I think you're um, hoping think, for the seven or eight. Yeah, nah. Houston's definitely a playoff team, one hundred percent. I think Utah's a playoff team. They've been playing better lately. Um, I think the Pelicans are a, are a fringe playoff. I mean, I don't think the Spurs are making the playoffs at all. I think the Spurs roster sucks. Well, and, and also, they're real banged up lately. They're 29th mm-hmm. in the NBA in the past two weeks in defense. Yeah, it's because they don't have Pau Gasol back there at center. Their, number, their splits with him without Pau Gasol are off the charts. Whenever your best um, defender is LaMarcus Aldridge, I'm sorry. Yeah, LaMarcus Aldridge is not much of a defensive guy. He's more of a scorer. Yeah. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge actually used to be one of my favorite players back in the day before he before he took off for he was one he's probably my second favorite player until he took off for San Antonio. Wow. I'm not a I'm not a big fan. That's why I like Damian Lillard so much. But going back to what we were talking about, I think that the Western Western Conference when it's all said and done, number one is gonna be Golden State, number two is gonna be Oklahoma City, number three, I'm gonna go number three team, I'm gonna go with the Nuggets. I think I had the Nuggets at three or four in the preseason. I can't remember where I had them exactly, but I got, I'm going to go with the Nuggets at, at three. At four, I'm going to go with the Clippers and the five Lakers. I see the Lakers-Clippers right there in the, at that four or five teams, and yeah, I think then, probably – Yeah, the Lakers probably win that game. That's yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think I think the Lakers can beat a team like Utah or a team like – if they have home court, at least they can beat a team like Utah. I don't know if they can go into Utah and beat them. But I think whatever well, – LeBron LeBron's lost like eight straight games in Utah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, even when they were, remember when they were in Miami, they would go to Utah. They went to Utah twice on those bit long winning streaks and lost both of them in Utah. So, I mean, Utah's been LeBron's poison. I don't, that would be kind of, I think that's the one matchup you want to avoid in the first round is the Jazz. Jazz really scare me. I mean, I think the Jazz are going to play better basketball, and they've been playing better basketball, and we all know what they can do at home. If you, if you remember, I know you remember last year, the Jazz were, First half of the season were a completely different team. They were the only t- there was only only like three teams that beat them the second half of the season or something crazy like that. The Jazz were on another level last season. So um, let me 
let me put it into perspective. Um, I'm I'm not a Mormon. Just di- disclaimer for our listeners, but the the folks, the Millers who own the jazz, um, <clears throat> give great respect to the local laws and ordinances and church. Um, they are not allowed to schedule home games on Sundays, and even playing on Sundays is frowned upon. So you have to watch out where you schedule games at on Sunday. So the Jazz essentially are playing on a six-game work week or six-day work week in the first half of the season, just like last year. We we play our tougher schedule, and then the second half of the season it gets easier. This year, I saw the the NBA schedule rankings, and <clears throat> I think us and the Lakers had the hardest schedule, the Jazz and the Lakers, and we were a full point of toughness rating ahead of the Lakers. Like it was like. We were at like 2.2, and the next hardest schedule was at like 1.3. So I am extremely confident that the Jazz will turn this around. We have an easier second half to the season. Hell, we even have an easier January. That that that's when it starts getting easier. I think it's like January 5th is when our schedule starts looking mm-hmm. more favorable. So I have the utmost confidence that the Jazz will be there as a top five seed in the West whenever it's all said and done. Yeah, I definitely, I don't, I don't, I think they'll do, they'll definitely be in there. I don't know about top five. It's going to be a tough, I mean, the West is going to be crazy. It's going to be like it was last year where one game is going to separate everyone. I think the Warriors will only win the West probably by like five or six games just because of all these games they've lost here. I mean, the Warriors have clearly shown they don't really care that much about the regular season. I actually don't even know if they will be the top dog in the West. I think they probably will though, just because when they get to full strength, if they're at full strength for long enough, I mean, I think they can separate themselves. I feel like the Warriors are about to go on one of these win streaks where that they're just, you know what I mean? Where like oh, yeah. the Warriors, oh yeah. Like I feel when Draymond comes back. Mm-hmm. I think they'll lose tonight to the Bucks, but I mean, I feel like they're going to get on track here soon. Um, and they're finishing. Go ahead. Oh, well, they're finishing up like a Western Conference or an Eastern Conference road trip right now against Milwaukee. They've been on the East Coast. They played at Toronto, at the Pistons, at Atlanta, at Cleveland. Now they're at the Bucks. Then they go back home, get the Timberwolves and the Raptors at the Kings. The home versus the Grizzlies at the Jazz. So they'll be more out there on the West Coast, too, here. I think this is kind of when they get hot and try to separate themselves a little bit, playing all those in-conference games. So earlier this week, the Bulls fired head coach Fred Hoiberg. What's your take Ooh. on that? I actually have a very strong opinion on this. If you remember, two years ago, Fred Hoiberg almost beat the um, Celtics in the first round. If Rondo didn't get hurt in that series, they would have knocked out the Isaiah Thomas Celtics in the first round as the eight seed versus the one seed. 100%. That series went seven I, games. I, I remember if, that series like it was yesterday. I was playing golf on, um, on, on, on game seven. Yeah, I remember watching Isaiah Thomas score 38 the night his sister died in the first game. I'm not going to lie. I teared up a little bit watching, that, watching him have that performance. I knew he was going to do something special that day. Um, Isaiah Thomas, by the way, that's another one of my favorite players. I love the heart and the chip of the shoulder that he plays with. But going back to what you said. got to be a small chip. That's a small man. Yeah, no. And the way way he gets buckets, I stayed up and watched the entire second round of the NBA draft that night when he was in the draft just because the Hawks had two late, late picks, and I wanted the Hawks to get Isaiah Thomas with one of them. We didn't get him with either one. I was furious. I wanted him with the first-round pick. Who Who did they take instead? Dude, I don't even remember. It's some center from Oakland who's not even in the NBA, and then Wayne Selden from uh, Kentucky, but we traded him to the Grizzlies. So, I mean, it was literally just two worthless picks. I was so pissed off we could add Isaiah Thomas. But 
Going back to your question to me, I don't think Hoiberg was the problem. I actually think he was a good coach. I think he's done well with this Bulls team. If you've noticed, the most of the Bulls players, Chris Dunn, Laurie Markkinen, just came back two day, two games ago. He's probably the Bulls' best player. I was about to say, no he Chris didn't even Dunn. play a game for Hoiberg this season, did he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no Bobby Portis. That's what I'm saying. I feel like the Bulls were extremely injured. Look how he helped develop Levine. Look how he helped develop these young players, marketing. Like all every single one of these young players they've gotten him, he has helped develop and move along in their player development. I personally think it was a stupid firing by the Bulls. I kind of think they might have fired him because they want to keep tanking and they want to get one of these top prospects and they think with their full lineup in that they're going to be too good with Hoiberg in there as the coach. Because I picked the Bulls to make the playoffs of the eight seed. I thought that they kind of had a little low-key nice roster. I figured Levine would get a little bit better. I didn't think he'd be this good, though. I mean, he right now I'd say he probably wins the NBA Most Improved Award, him or, Sykem, or uh, Sok, Siakam. Siakam, by the way, is one of the huge reasons why the Raptors are so good because his length on defense. But I don't. I just. I just feel like that it wasn't his fault. What do you think? Um, I would mostly tend to agree with what you say. Um, the only thing that I don't like about Hoiberg is that he plays a real slow style of pace. He uh, yeah, last last year he showed signs of changing and improving his style of play whenever. Mark Hinnon would get in the game, but it was still ball-stopping and slow, kind of how Memphis plays. Um, what are they, what's the What's the endearing nickname for the two uh, GMs, or the GM and the owner in Chicago? It's like Gare Pax, like Gary Pax and somebody else. Or, or the, the, the two men in charge have went through, I think, four different head coaches in the past three years. So Jeez, yeah. I would I would I would tend to agree that this may not be Hoiberg's fault. They're looking for a scapegoat, and you can never pinpoint why they do these things. But um, to tank is is a very good prospect. Yeah, it's just even, like the even though firing. I agree, I agree there is there is no reason in the NBA to tank. You can find talent at any single draft pick in the NBA. I completely disagree with you. I think you have to tank in the NBA this day and age because unless you have a bunch of superstars on your team, your team ain't really going to do anything. Is I mean, look at all these teams. Philly, they have Jimmy Butler. They have Ben Simmons. They have Joel Embiid. I mean, you got there's three all-stars right there. I mean, you look at the Celtics. Look at all the players they got. Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. The Half Warriors, they got five all-stars. Half of them weren't even yeah. drafted. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, like if you got, like, if you look at all these teams, you gotta have. I mean, yeah, they you, you acquire them. You don't acquire players though through transactions without first acquiring sk- skill and talent through the draft. Like, I feel like right here now, if the Hawks they go out, we can get this number one pick. We can get Zion or R.J. Barrett or something like that. I really think we could bring Jalen Brown back to Atlanta when he hits the free agent market. Because I mean, I really don't see the Bulls paying. I mean, not the Bulls, the Celtics paying him. They're gonna have to do something with Gordon Hayward or trade Gordon Hayward, which personally I would lean towards doing. I still think they need to put together a package for Anthony Davis. I would. That's the only p- package I would accept. Because I mean, if you're the Pelicans at this point, you have to look at it and say, all right, is Anthony Davis really gonna re-sign with us? I don't. I you personally no don't. What? Yeah, I think he's gone. I think he's going to go play with LeBron or he's going to go to the cell. He's going to go somewhere else. So if I'm them, I would accept a trade of – you have to trade Al Horford, obviously, because of money. I'd accept a trade with Al Horford, Rozier, Gordon Hayward, um, both those unprotected, that Kings and Grizzlies pick. I would take those, Rozier, um, either Brown or Hayward, and Horford. I would take less than that. I would take just Uh, – I would take Horford and Hayward straight up, no draft pick. 
Mm. Be, 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 because I think the Pelicans know there's no chance they resign him. Yeah, I mean, I would. T- I mean, you have to. You have to take Horford or Hayward to dip to dump money. I mean, one of the two of them has to go because Kyrie. All three of them have max deals, so you have to get rid of one of those. I mean, actually, I, Horford's deal's not a max, but it's damn near it. I know he's over twenty million dollars. I, 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 I was. I don't know if Hayward's was, is max was, either, max. but I know it's I'm over. T- pretty sure Hayward is. What? Hayward's is max. Yeah, Hayward's my. I know they're. I know they have three players that are making over twenty million dollars, and you can only. So they would obviously have to trade one of them in order to acquire Davis, and Irving's definitely not going anywhere. So I think if you get Rozier, that automatically gives you. I think that's a really good young piece. You get two draft picks. That would ensure that you have three pretty much potential lottery picks because I don't think the Kings will make the playoffs. Although I don't think it'll be a great lottery pick, but I mean, shit, I'd be fine with a eight, twelve, and fourteen pick, wouldn't you? And oh, the, I would. I, Terry Rozier and. The reason, the reason that I say that there's no reason to tank in the NBA, look at the Utah Jazz. Rudy Gobert drafted 27th overall. Donovan Mitchell drafted 14th overall. There's, there's the, ja- the Jazz, though, have really good player development, and they're good at finding players with those picks. You know what I mean? The Hawks actually, I think, have decent Shouldn't that be the strategy the instead of to lose on purpose? I agree, but at a certain point in time, I think you want to go out and get these surefire stars. I mean, the Hawks are doing it at the right time. This new player is coming in. I've never seen kids shoot all the way these new players can. I mean, if you look at the game of basketball, Steph Curry is the most – I mean, don't get me wrong. LeBron's the best player that's played basketball in our lifetime. But Steph Curry's the most influential player we've probably seen in basketball since – Of course. Shoot, I, I don't even Ever. know who the last Ever. most – Yeah, yeah. He there might are, the there are more kids that, that try to shoot threes now because of Steph Curry than kids that signed up to play basketball because of Michael Jordan. Exactly. And that's why I think that you have to tank right now. Like, imagine if the Suns get R.J. Barrett or Zion on their team. Like, a young core of DeAndre Ayton, Zion Williamson, or R.J. Barrett with Devin Booker. Like, imagine R.J. Barrett, Devin Booker, um, who's the DeAndre Ayton, and then you got Josh Jackson, E.J. Warren on your, as your other wings. I mean, whoo! I would not want to play that. I mean, I Suns should get, I think he fit a little bit better just with their style of team. I mean, Zion and DeAndre Ayton down in the paint to go along with Jackson, uh, Warren, and Booker on the perimeter. You could maybe even bring in a superstar in free agency with that kind of team. The Suns would be scared. No, that would be. That would be a very scary team. Yeah, I mean, just the scoring you could have. That's why I think tanking's smart. I mean, I agree with you. There's players with the, you can get a lot of value at in later picks. I was also pissed the Suns took Devin Booker, the pick before the Hawks, because I was freaking out all day. I said if Devin Booker falls to the Hawks, I'm throwing a party instantly because he's going to be a stud in the NBA, and look at him. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray fell down the draft board. I mean, we were way too far down the draft board, but I was hoping we could trade up or something and Your get man him. Isaiah Thomas, Mr. 60. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. There's so many. No, that's what I'm saying. Like you, you, you're saying we should tank. I'm saying just oh, pick pick fucking good players where they're at. Develop them. Get, have I mean, a good it, development staff. That, that, that's what you pay coaches for. That, that, that's why I we dump you, so much money into the NBA game is to get great development staffs. I think you have to judge your team. You have to judge if you have the pieces you want and you're ready to move ahead, then you should move ahead. If you don't have the pieces you want and you don't think you're ready to move towards making the playoffs or something like that, I think tanking as a team is a smarter move. I mean, look at Philadelphia. They tanked out for a while, but they ended up getting getting the guys that worked. They had to trade some guys out. I mean, tanking can be a long process. It sucks. It is what it is. But in the long run, when you come out of the tanking, I mean, you get a team like Philadelphia has. I mean, there's some teams that don't tank right as well that aren't good with rebuilding teams like look at the Timberwolves I mean they almost really screwed them I mean they could they might have really screwed themselves with the Jimmy Butler trade because look at Zach Levine this season imagine if they had just hung on to Zach Levine and let him 
pan out. Although I think getting Jimmy Butler smart. Minnesota's another team too that could use John Wall. I think they could use a, some good point guard play. I mean, Jeff Teague's good guy, but not great. There's there's another guy for you right there, Jeff Teague, late pick. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's talent that comes out of those late picks, but I feel like I'd rather get that surefire superstar talent in. I'm a fan of the Hawks tanking. Let's put it that way. I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Sports are not about me and you drafting the guys that we want our teams to draft. Sports mm-hmm. is about trying to beat the team that you play on any given night. And let's say that your family from Johns Creek makes the hour and a half drive with traffic into Atlanta, goes and watch the Hawks play. Mm-hmm. The, would you want to go watch the Hawks play if you know they were they're they're going to lose? And it's going to be yeah, this I... way. It's going to be this way for five years. You're developing a losing culture in your organization. There, that's a toxic mentality that wants to ensure you have no fans and wants to ensure that when Trey Young or John Collins gets good, they leave town. Look at Devin nah, Booker. I mean, he's, he's about ready to wh- escape Phoenix right now. Well, the way the NBA contracts work, you automatic you can get your guys back if you want them back for eight years, pretty much because the way that contract works, where you have the rights to outbid anybody on a player. And, and, <clears throat> exactly. And look so, at how I mean, that worked out for Gordon Hayward. You, you see, what I'm saying like this, this stuff all has an end all be all. It there does, are, but there are I negative mean, consequences at, to, to to about every outcome of tanking. I kind of like I like tanking. I mean, there's definitely negative consequences, but you just got to trust you're doing it right. I think we've got a good organizational like grounding with the fact that we got Lloyd Pierce from the 76ers. And I also like the fact that we went out and we got uh, Travis Schlink, our GM from Golden State. So, I mean, we have guys who know how to rebuild a team and know how to build up a roster. I think we're getting good value out of our picks. I think we're like I think Spellman's going to be a good player. He's got me too, a nice me too. I, I, I loved him and Herder as draft picks this year. You guys hit the home run on that one. Yeah, I mean Herder obviously he's looked a little rough, but I think he was still a good pick. And he's still hurt. Uh, but going back to what you said, I mean it's all about trying to watching these other teams and trying to get better than them. I actually kind of the one thing I just forgot to say that I kind of disagreed with you with about your take on um, Hoiberg was the fact that he plays at a slow pace. Don't get me wrong, I can't stand watching teams play at a slow pace. But I think in order to beat Golden State, I don't think the way to beat them is matching their pace. We've seen so many teams try to match how Golden State plays, match their speed and everything. It doesn't work. Nobody's going to be able to beat Golden State unless they can go out and get four other all-stars that can help you match or beat their pace. I think the way to beat Golden State is like Houston did, where you you make them play on your terms. If you play on their terms, you pretty much have to play perfect. Because they're gonna, yeah, because they're gonna play damn near it. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, they don't miss. And I don't know if you've seen or not. Klay Thompson averages over seven three pointers per game in elimination games. Yeah. Like no, you I, don't want it. When, when, you don't when want was any of that. Last elimination game. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Uh, against, those those two against the Rocket. Yeah, they barely have any elimination games. Yeah. When they've been on face of elimination, Draymond Green and Klay Thompson come to play. Steph Curry kind of disappears. That is my one knock on Steph Curry and what. What holds him back from being as great as people want him to be? He's disappeared in every single clutch scenario where the team needs him. Mm-hmm. Like, look who has all the final MVPs. It's Iguodala and KD. It's not Steph Curry. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that makes him anything less of a good player. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think Steph Curry is probably is easily still a top five player in the league. 
it doesn't make him a less player. I mean, he's just there's just some players you can't you can't be the clutch guy. You know what I mean? Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like look at the like look at the Celtics. Kevin Garnett was probably the best player on those teams, but Paul Pierce was their closer. When the game came down to end, you want the ball in Paul Pierce's hands. You know what I mean? Or like even the Heat that first with that first championship they got. LeBron James is not the closer. Dwayne Wade was the one who helped close out. But I mean, LeBron still had big games in those playoffs to get them to the finals and stuff like that game in Boston. But, I mean, Dwayne Wade still had some – you know what I mean? He had some huge plays. LeBron wasn't ready to be the closer yet. He finally became the closer. I, I feel like that you don't have to be a good closer to be the best player in the league. But if you have that killer instinct down the stretch, it definitely – you know what I mean? Like that's how you get to be the best player of all time. Mm-hmm. Jordan, he had the killer instinct. Jordan, yep. the ball's in his hands. He's calling game. He Kobe, ball's in his hands at the end. He's calling game. Paul Pierce, he's calling game. Like people always ask me who are the best players I've seen play. I will always say Paul Pierce and they'll be like, why you have Paul Pierce in there? I'm like, look, Paul Pierce in the regular season, he's whatever night to night, but you Paul Pierce in the playoffs in the fourth quarter, there's probably him and Kobe are probably the two players. I don't want to see with the ball in their hand in the fourth quarter in the playoffs that I've watched play. Like you remember that season, you remember that season when Paul Pierce was in Washington the, I think he averaged like 10 points per game or something like that. I remember telling everybody all season long, they're like, oh, Paul Pierce is old and washed up. I was like, you wait till the playoffs. Paul Pierce will be out in full effect. Beat the Hawks on, that- on, on, on that bank buzzer beater, didn't he? In Washington. Mm-hmm. And, then he, and he hit another one, and they reviewed it, and it didn't count. Wow. Yeah, they could have sent it to game seven. I mean, I couldn't. I honestly didn't think the Hawks were going to get out of that round of the playoffs. We were mess- screwing around hard with the Wizards in that round. That game, that series is crazy. But yeah, Paul Pierce had his career low in points per per game up in, until that point when that year when he was in the Wizards, I believe. I'm about to look at his stats now. Yeah, for the Wizards in the regular season, he averaged 11.9 points per game. But was the closer and hit the clutch shot at the end and was the go-to guy in the last minute and a half of the game. Mm-hmm. He averaged 14.6 in the playoffs, and in that round against Atlanta, he scored over 20 in every single game. Wow. Yeah, there's no player that I, I I would not want to want to see the ball in Paul Pierce's hands. There's a reason why they call him the truth. Yep, there sure is. So Thomas, before we get out of here, um, just want to wish a happy birthday to Larry Bird, and I want to share one of my favorite quotes about Larry Bird ever. Um, is by Pat Riley, and he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, if you want me to pick a player who I would give the ball to to win a game, I would pick Michael Jordan. But if someone had a gun to my head and I had to pick a player to shoot to save my life, I'd pick Larry Bird. Wow. I like that quote. Um, right, real quick here before I let you go, we just had a trade happen in the NBA. Della Dova the Milwaukee to, Bucks, yep. yeah, to Cleveland, yeah. George Hill and Sam Decker to Cleveland. Damn, Sam Decker got traded from the Rockets last year in the CP3 trade to the Clippers. The Clippers traded him to the Cavs, and now the Cavs traded him to the Bucks. Sam Decker's making his rounds. But, I mean, dude, if I'm George Hill and Sam Decker right now, I would be like, I hit the lottery. I got left the worst team in the NBA yep. for probably for a top three team in the league. So, yep. I mean, that's good. I think it's a good trade, though, all around. Get Della Dova out of there. I hate Della Dova. After he dove at Horford's knees in that playoff game, I, I honestly, I, I can't stand him. It's such a yeah, dirty play. it is. Bad. And I'm not even going to lie in the finals when he was going up against Kyrie and them. I love seeing him get his ankles broke and watching all that where, mm-hmm. the, where they're just bullying him. They're literally just taking the ball at him and bullying him. You reap what you sow. Yeah, I loved watching it, but... Cohen, it's been a pleasure doing another podcast with you. I mean, we could probably sit here for two more hours and talk about the NBA. Hell, I could sit here and debate fucking the ins and outs of tanking with you for two more hours. 
Yeah, honestly, we probably talked about that for like 20 minutes. We could have kept on going with that for two. I was, yeah, we we were all that. Yeah, we could probably talk about it for another hour, but we were, we won't do that to y'all. I was about to say we could, but we won't. Yeah, we won't. All right, well, guys, you can check me out on my other podcast, uh, The Daily Degenerate. I host it with another guy named Matty Goldberg, comedian out in California. We do betting, sports, comedy, other stuff like this. Um, Thomas, plug yourself before we go. Um, once again, guys, I'm Thomas Penland. I'm the host of Hot Takes with TP3 podcast. I talk about sports, betting, all kinds of good stuff. I actually apologize, guys. This week I was not really able to talk about college football on there. We t- I had this guest come on yesterday and talk a little MLB, and I, we just went on for forever. It was one of those kind of like me and Cohen today, but I'll have some stuff for y'all coming next week. I'm finally done with finals, so everything's wrapped up, baby. Let's go. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode number three of the Association Podcast. We sincerely hope you enjoyed. Have a nice night. Boom.